I'm excited to announce that we're bringing back our best offer ever on our original My Slippers. You save $90 a pair with your promo code. And now My Slippers come in even more sizes smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new styles and colors. Get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. What makes My Slippers different is my exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet. I'm so confident that you and everyone you know are going to love my slippers that I'm extending my 60 day money back guarantee until March 1st, 2024, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code to save $90. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last long, so please order now. We all know it's coming and it's not going to be pretty. It's great to have storable food. But when that runs out, what are you gonna do? Your best defense against the coming apocalypse is to have seeds so you can grow your own food. So I've been looking for various different seeds for the last couple of years. And off the bat, almost all seed companies are the same, as long as they're non-GMO, heirloom, yada, yada. But it's the following years that really concern me. So I bought a whole bunch of seeds last year. And when you get seeds, there's, there's a lot of seeds in a pack, a whole lot. You're probably not gonna use them all if you have a small garden. So you wanna make sure they last again the following year. So the best company I found for these seeds is called Survival Essentials. And when you go on their webpage, it says your best defense against the coming apocalypse. So go to survival-essentials.com, save 10% with promo code DEFIANT and get ready because we're gonna need to eat. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't trust the food in the grocery store anymore. I don't trust it unless I can plant the seed with my own hands and watch it grow with my own eyes and know where it's coming from and feed it to my family. So survival-essentials.com, promo code DEFIANT, saves you 10%. to the flag of the United States of America. to the Republic for which it stands.
one nation, under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no, not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply, refuse to show vaccine passports, refuse to wear a mask, refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army. I am enlisted for eternity. I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am a soldier. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. Because I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. Because I am a soldier. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I am a soldier. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. I will win. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even death cannot destroy me, 
For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army. I am marching. I am claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier. I had a dream the other night. I didn't understand. A figure walking through the mist with a rifle in his hand. His clothes were torn and dirty as he stood there by the bed. He took off his three-cornered hat and speaking low, he said, We fought a revolution to secure your liberty. We wrote the Constitution as a shield from tyranny. For future generations, this legacy we gave to make you the land of the free and home of the brave. The freedoms we secured for you, we thought you'd always keep. But tyrants labor endlessly. While your parents were asleep, now your freedom's gone. Your courage is lost. You're no more than a slave in your land of the free and home of the brave. You buy permits to travel, permits to own a gun, permits to start a business or build a place for one. On land you think you own, you pay your yearly rent, but you don't have a voice in saying how that money's spent. Now your children attend a school that doesn't educate, and your Christian values can't be taught according to the state. You read about your current news in a regulated press and pay more taxes than you owe to that thing called IRS. Your money's no longer made of silver or of gold. You trade your wealth for paper so your life can be controlled. And you pay for crimes that make your nation turn from God in shame. Now you've taken Satan's number and traded in your name. You give your government control to those who could do you harm. So they could padlock churches and steal the family farm and keep the nation deep in debt while putting men of faith in jail and then harass your fellow countrymen while your corrupt courts prevail. Your public servants don't uphold the solemn they've sworn and now your daughters visit doctors so their children won't be born. You send guns and artillery to foreign shore and then you send your youth to slaughter, fighting other people's wars. Could you regain the freedoms for which we fought and died? Or have you lost your courage and your faith to stand with pride? Are there no more values for which you fight to save? Or do you wish your children to live in fear and be a slave? And people of this republic, it's time to rise and take a stand. Defend the Constitution, the supreme law of your land. Preserve your great republic and every God-given right. And let us pray to God to keep that torch of freedom burning bright.
Freedom Gardeners to another episode of Freedom Gardens, number 38, Healing Herbs and Essential Oils. I am V. Lynn. Unfortunately, Heather couldn't make it today um, because, well, anyway, she's not been feeling great. So she took a Fenben a couple days ago. She's been actually taking Fenben over the last couple days. Takes about 24 to 48 hours to kick in and really start working. And then it's hard to get far from a bathroom for a while. So when you're infested, I guess that's the word, infected. Anyway, so that's okay. Um, so we're going to learn a bit about uh, different herbs that you have in your garden or in your kitchen cabinet and some of their uses and then uh, how to make your own essential oils again, out of stuff that's super easy to grow. So, or that you, you know, can find in the store generally is at hand. So anyway, 
But first, we're going to see what's growing in my gardens. I did some work last week, planted some stuff, dug up some sweet potatoes and all kinds of good stuff. So uh, we'll check that out. It is pouring rain here today. So I did go out a little bit in the rain and do some videos, but just a little rough. So anyway, how's everyone doing today? It's almost like a week and a half before Christmas. We got our Christmas tree yesterday. It is currently falling. So the branches are coming down so that I can, uh, we can decorate it. I say I, because it will be I. It's always I. That's how that works. Is that how that works for y'all? Yeah. But I love a real tree, so it's well worth it. I insist on a real tree every year. We actually have fake trees in the house. Like in Liam's closet, there's a couple of fake trees. And uh, yeah. Nope. I insist on going out and buying a real tree. I will tell you though, the trees were insanely expensive. We have a big living room. We could put a 12-foot tree in there. Easy. Uh, a 12-foot tree was like $350. No. No. No, no. So, 8-foot tree, $150. Still not cheap, but that's what it is. Anyway, let's see what's growing on in the gardens. So I pulled all the okra today because it's not growing anymore, even though there were some flowers on it. It's too cold. Okra doesn't like cold. So it's in the compost box. And I pulled sweet potatoes and I got some out of the uh, sweet potato yard over here because I want to use it for something else. I think garlic. And I'm turning this because I'm going to actually reset everything in here except the trellises. So I'm letting the chickens have at it so they can do their thing. And uh, I'm not sure what that was all about. You're not a rooster. Um, so yeah, so they're gonna turn this garden for me and then we will turn it into uh, something else. A winter garden after the chickens are done. They can be useful. For more than just eggs, they can be very useful. So they are, they're still turning it. I'll work on that. I'll reset that garden probably the week after Christmas when I have the kids home and they can help me. And I'm thinking about it. I might even take the trellises down, um, redo the antennas, turn them all into antennas and, uh, reset the whole garden. Started as a winter garden and then it'll transfer pretty quickly and easily into a spring garden. So moving on. All right. So I dug the sweet potatoes out of here yesterday and today, and some of the sweet potatoes out of this side. Today I'm going to move these strawberries that have spread over here and plant some, some beets, some turnips, some salad greens in here. And then I'm gonna dig the rest of the sweet potatoes out of there and do the same. So here we go. All right, first for the strawberries. First, we're gonna take the electrical antennas out of this. 
because this is going to be plant surge water only, no electroculture in here. We're doing a little test, so plant surge only in this side. Grab some of these strawberries. Hmm. All right, so the beds have been gone through, the strawberries have been reset pulled apart over here as well and now they're coming out the front so they'll grow down the sides of the beds as well and now i'm going to plant garlic and salad greens in here in between the strawberries and then let it go and it'll spread like crazy all right so i'm planting garlic i'm actually planting four different kinds i've got four different bulbs um, the ones over here I'll plant over on the other side in the duck enclosure. So I'm planting garlic. You don't want to unwrap it all the way. You just really want to leave it like this with the covering still on and just put it in the ground. Okay. And it takes about eight months to grow. Now, really you want to plant it a month before your first frost. The thing about this area is that we already had our first frost technically, but it won't really frost again for like another month. And that was a soft frost. So I'm still good to plant garlic, just barely. It will take eight to nine months to grow. So it's December, December, January, February, March, April. It'll be ready in August, harvest season. So planting garlic. So I essentially planted four rows of garlic, right? Just. Took them apart, stuck them in there. I'm gonna cover them up and let them grow. I'll do the same thing over there. Now this has electroculture and we'll use the plant surge water. This we will only use the plant surge water. So we'll see the difference. Okay, so in this bed, just the plant surge bed, we have strawberries, garlic, and bib lettuce. And I planted the strawberries obviously in the garlic and then I just spread the lettuce seeds on top and then just very, very, very shallow layer of dirt on top. I'm just basically rubbing down to the dirt. And over here, we have strawberries and garlic and then rows of spinach, Bloomsdale spinach. So 
That should come up pretty soon. We'll be eating salad greens here in a week. So this is just plant surge. This will be plant surge with electroculture. See the difference. Good morning, Freedom Gardeners. It is Saturday. It is very late on Saturday morning. Much later than I normally let these guys out. But I slept in today, which is very nice, actually. I don't get to do that very often. Hi, guys. Come on, then. Ducky is always the first out. Big Red. Sergeant. Amber. Beakers. Emmy. Coco Puff, Big Red, Jill, Jack, Thelma and Louise, are you coming? How about you, Jill? No, not today? Now you'll come out when you're ready. Alrighty then. That first rooster that I called Big Red was actually Joe. And this is Ginger. They're so much fun. Anyway, so that was the work that I did um, over the last week in the gardens, planting garlic and thinning strawberries. And uh, yeah, kind of winterizing the gardens so that we can get right into the spring planting. My goal this year is to actually get things planted like on time because I didn't do that so well this past year. So be it. Anyway, we'll keep going here. I took these this morning in the rain. All right, it stopped raining just long enough for me to make a couple quick videos. I mean, it's still raining, but I'm going to be harvesting herbs this week. See some of that it's about to get freezing again, so I need to pull in the coffee trees. That one didn't make it. And the grapefruit trees. And put the, thin the tomatoes, put them into individual pots, some of them anyway. Um, so I have a lot of work to do this next week. And of course, get ready for Christmas. Those lemons back there are ready to pick. They're beautiful. And I'm gonna cut all this basil back. These potatoes are going strong. And I've got some cucumbers coming up there. That coffee tree actually made it. I'm gonna pull it back in. These potatoes are insane. I keep putting more dirt on them. See, now we're almost to the level and it's already that high up. And then I thinned out, replanted the strawberries and planted garlic. And it looks like a freaking squirrel got in here and ate some of my garlic. Those little shits. And I planted some seeds in there, so I am going to have to put a covering over this. Probably plant more garlic and put a covering over this so the squirrels can't get to it. And now it's starting to rain hard again. So, time to go back inside. Raining, but the show must go on. I planted turnips and radishes in here, but I don't know that they're gonna sprout because it got really cold really quick. All that parsley and all this lemongrass is gonna get harvested as well as that oregano. Strawberries all over the place here. I have, I think, two more limes on here that need to come off. All this rosemary is gonna get cut back and harvested. 
This is just about cleared out. I left the sweet potatoes. They're still growing under here. You see the vines down here, but I let them grow. So there's sweet potatoes in here. I just gotta follow it to the root of the vine and pull them. I'm gonna give them a bit longer though. And then strawberries galore. Look at how these strawberries have spread. This whole thing is gonna end up being strawberries, which I'm absolutely fine with. All back here is gonna be strawberries. And over here too. I mean, I'm basically gonna have a whole garden of strawberries over here. And then same thing, I planted some turnips in there. Look, there's little strawberries that are in there too. Aha, so we've got something starting to sprout in here. Um, salad greens, I think. Yeah. Okay. So the back garden. Getting winter. Ooh, and I planted potatoes in here, back in here, and I threw some compost over them. And I'm just, you see them down in there. Remember last week? So I'm waiting on them to come up. There's like sweet potato vines and stuff on top of them. I'll throw some more seedlings on them or lawn cuttings and whatnot on top of them here next week when it stops raining Ooh, it's coming down hard now time to go inside all right so it was pretty cold it froze at last night but the night before and the night before that so i came out to check on my plants my okra look at that it froze pretty bad however these Tabascos. I'm also picking some ripe ones. Look at all these ghost peppers in here. Oh, this video is actually from last week. My apologies, but we'll keep going. These are the biggest freaking ghost peppers I've ever seen. I mean, they're gigantic. Some of these things. And the green ones aren't, haven't stopped growing yet. The ones that have started to turn colors, like these here. Look at that. It's huge. And these guys. This one, he's still growing. And these things are giant. What am I gonna do with all these ghost peppers? There's so many. I mean, they're all back in here. And this isn't even the primary branch of the ghost peppers. There's more all back in here. And then coming over here, here's the primary ghost pepper tree. Then I've got them all, all through here. So, and growing up over here too. I mean, these things are everywhere and just gigantic. And then I've got habaneros. These are habaneros coming back here. And they're, they're always huge. This thing produces huge, huge habaneros. Gotta find a way to lift it up, I think, because it's, yes, it's just a tree, like a bush. And here, all these, all that's all habaneros down there. This whole thing in here and all that there, that's all habaneros. That's wild. This thing is huge. Um, yeah. And 
It looks like my eggplant survived just fine with the frost. Just my okra took a pounding, but okra doesn't like hold at all. So, hmm. Well, peppers are still going so strong. In December, it was December 1st, and I'm picking Tabascos and looking at giant ghost peppers. Speaking of peppers, let's go check out my Carolina Reapers over here. See now, the other ones are right next to the primary electroculture structure, the inside of the Fibonacci sequence. And you can see the difference in size, which I'm fine with because Carolina Reapers are incredibly hot and there's still some growing and budding on here. I picked the green, all the green peppers before the freeze. So I have a whole bag full of green peppers in my refrigerator right now. And I think I'm basically just gonna cut down this okra. Well, maybe not. I mean, there's some dying leaves, but I mean, it's 70 degrees out today, so we'll see. I think it's almost time to top the peppers though, or winter, overwinter the peppers. Oh, looks like I missed one back here. That's okay. That'll still grow a bit longer, but we'll cut the peppers back to overwinter them in a couple weeks. I'll show you how, how to do that. Peppers are just crazy. Okay, so that was December 1st. So you guys can see what that looks like two weeks ago, right? And then this is this morning. All right, it's still very drippy out here, but let's take a look at the pepper garden. Look at all those. We need to pick some peppers here. Bunch of them. These are all ghost peppers. Yeah. Ghost pepper, ghost pepper. It is pepper season. And they'll get a little redder as time goes on. I'll let them sit out for a few days. Birds. You can eat that. These guys are beautiful. So many. I'm going to be pickling ghost peppers, I believe. Look how big those guys are. Those turn a little redder before I pick them. Come on, you. You want to come? I don't want to sell. Tabasco's need some picking too. Now it's about to get down into the freezing temperatures next week and the week before Christmas. So we'll see. I might pick them all and just let them turn. These are all habaneros. All habaneros. They're getting, I mean, all those are habaneros down there. Those poblanos are at the ball. What's wrong, ducks? 
these eggplants are still growing. I have some, mm, one back there, another one right there, and another one there. I'll let those go. Of course, I pulled all the okra in here. So this is all peppers now. I'm going to overwinter the peppers. I was hoping to do it today, but unfortunately, the rain forestalled that. So, like this tree is so big, it's almost hard to get through. It is hard to get through. Peppers galore. And then we have the Carolina Reapers. Yeah, like the hottest pepper on earth. These are the ones I need to start overwintering. <laughs> Although these look like they're budding new peppers right now. Yeah, they sure do. Okay, maybe I won't overwinter these yet. I'm, I'm getting a whole, wow. Look at that. There's a uh, new flowers on, new bud on that. Right there, new pepper growing. But that one all over winter. I guess these peppers are gonna go for a little bit longer. I mean, it's only the middle of December, right? We'll just keep these hot peppers going in this electroculture Fibonacci sequence garden. Love it. So I swear the electroculture makes the ground warmer. I haven't tested it, but uh, I mean, they're still going. And then I've left the leaf covering on it because that also helps keep the ground warmer. Um, leaves are great to use as mulch in your winter garden and pine straw too. I've got tons of that. I'll be using a lot of that. I'll be covering those potatoes that I put in that box with leaves and grass clippings and pine straw and, and all kinds of good stuff. So um, you can still grow stuff in the middle of winter. How crazy is that? And if you're in a place where it's freezing cold, you can grow stuff inside in the middle of winter. I'm actually probably going to be, when I thin those tomatoes and I put them all in their own individual little pots, I'll be bringing them inside. I'm going to set up a, one of the shelving units I have outside. I'll just move inside um, in front of a window and set the tomatoes on there and let them grow. And then come the spring, which here won't take long, probably February, I can plant them in the ground. And then I'll have three-month-old, four-month-old tomatoes going right in the ground and I'll start getting tomatoes early before the heat sets in. So that's my plan for those. I'm actually going to be hopefully working on that tomorrow or tomorrow and Monday. So, but... um I also need to cut back all those herbs. I have so many. Lemongrass. Um, the lavender never bloomed. I don't think it was in a sunny enough spot. I'm going to have to move it to a different location for next year. But uh, I have oregano out the wazoo, and oregano is so good. Even thyme and uh, oranges. So my orange trees sprouted, or they have a bunch of oranges on them. And then one of my neighbors... One of my nice neighbors down the street has a huge orange tree and he always lets me come and 
take what I want, oranges and grapefruits. So I'm going to take a bunch of oranges. I'm going to make orange essential oil out of that too. So, so we don't waste anything around here. But let's start with, this is a Dr. Keck video. If you guys don't follow Dr. Keck on X, that's excellent actually. So check this out. It's about 33 minutes long. you can easily grow parsley and have it at your fingertips in no time let me show you how start by soaking your seeds for six to twelve hours then get soil and fill your pot about three quarters of the way up and slightly compact grab your seeds and evenly spread them on top of the soil now cover them with a thin layer of soil and slightly compact it cover a pot with plastic to retain humidity and here's a trick if you don't have a heat mat when it's warm in your neck of the woods put it on a south facing window and the warmth from the window will improve germination in about 10 days, your parsley will start to germinate, remove the plastic, continue to water, fertilize with organic fertilizer at half rate, and within no time, you'll start enjoying fresh parsley. to help with the inflammation of the prostate gland. The nettle being very, very high in minerals is high in iron, so it's very good for people who are a little bit challenged with anemia. But you know, the main cause of anemia is low hydrochloric acid, and tonight, in my lecture on the gut, I'm going to show you how you can boost hydrochloric acid levels to, to heal anemia, to help get that iron out of the food. So that's what you would use stinging nettle for. One we're going to look at is chickweed. And I found some very good specimens of chickweed. Now chickweed looks very, very similar to radium. Yep, you, you probably can hardly see the difference there. So there is a way to tell the difference. And with the chickweed, it'll have one little rootstock and the plant can spread right out about this big. In fact, if I've got chickweed in my garden, I know all I have to do is go underneath, find the root, and I've got all of that away. It'll spread out. Now, the identifying factor with chickweed, and you can come up in the break. Now, I don't know if you can see that, but when you break the chickweed stem, there's a thread in there. So that's held together because there's a little thread inside the stem. So that's the identifying um, factor with chickweed. And chickweed is a delightful herb. Um, feel free to come up and have a chew of the leaf. It is not bitter at all, so it's very, very nice in your salads. My first husband was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and I had six children in the rainforest, no electricity. Sometimes times were a bit tough and there was not a lot of money around. 
In fact, when times were tough, we ate lentils and chickweed. <laughs> and we did very well. So the chickweed can be thrown in your soups and your stews and all the minerals will go in there. But you can see how the leaf is not as dark as the stinging nettle. It still has some iron, it still has some minerals, but it has quite a shallow root. I don't think I picked any root there. But um, medicinally, the chickweed is an anti-itch herb. And I know when my children had contact with chickenpox or measles, you know, the next few days we're weeding in the garden and my daughter Emma would say, leave the chickweed, mum, we're going to leave, we're going to need that. And for um, measles, chickenpox, you know, itchy things, you can pour boiling water on it and the tea, when it cools, you can put into ice, ice trays. So you've got chickweed tea ice cubes. And when someone has an itch, they get that out. And you know what ice will do to itch? <laughs> so if ever you've got an itch, don't scratch it. Because when you scratch an itch, it brings relief. But then what does it do? <laughs> it's even worse. And if the scratching continues, the skin can break. And if the skin breaks, then an infection can come. Whenever you feel itch, grab an ice cube and just hit it. Now, the beauty of making chickweed tea ice cubes, you've got a, a double effect of not only the ice to kill the itch, but you've also got the herb. Um, someone has chicken pox measles, you can make a bath and throw a heap of chickweed in the bath. <laughs> and they can bathe in the chickweed bath. Would you use it for a psoriasis? You certainly can. You certainly can. Now, psoriasis has a yeast um, aspect too, this the rash on the skin. So you could warm up coconut oil in a double saucepan and you could put the chickweed in it. And you do that for probably about half an hour till the chickweed goes all limp and dark like it's cooked. And then you just pick the chickweed out. Now you've got chickweed ointment. And the, the coconut oil has an antifungal property, anti-yeast property. So that's an excellent ointment for uh, things like eczema and, um, and psoriasis. You've got your anti-itch of the, of the chickweed and you've also got the, the antifungal property of the coconut oil. Can you see that? That will actually stay there. If I pull that hard, I can break that little inside thread. But that little thread in the middle is your identifying factor. So that's the main thing with chickweed. It can be eaten. It's got nice... <clears throat> nice ray of minerals in it, and uh, it's anti-itch. Now, I have to tell you too that my children were um, exposed to chickenpox, measles five times, and they never got it. We'd get all the chickweed ready, and and they would never get it. And I was talking to a naturopath one day. I said, "It's really funny. My children keep getting exposed. Everyone gets it. My children don't." He said, "I know why." He said, "Your children are running barefoot through the hills." They're eating all the food out of the garden, which is incredibly high in minerals and nutrients. He said their bodies are functioning so well, it's not taking them down. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if your children did get it, but it was so mild that they didn't even know they had it. Isn't that interesting? That was his theory. Planted my kitchen herb garden. Herbs are really easy to grow. They don't take up a lot of space and they can add great flavor to your daily cooking. First, I built this raised bed from Frame It All. 
Assembly was really easy. All I needed was a screwdriver. And it's eco-friendly material. It's made of recycled plastic. Next, I added a well-draining potting mix. This mix is lightweight and it's intended for container gardening. To make watering easier, I installed two of these grow oyas. These terracotta pots allow water to seep out slowly so the herbs get exactly the amount of water they need. Then I transplanted the herbs. I started with rosemary and basil. I later swapped out the basil for thyme and oregano as those have watering needs that are a little closer to the rosemary. As you can see, they've all filled in really nicely. Whether you're a beginner gardener or you're looking to up your culinary skills, a kitchen herb garden is- Have a look at this other one, and this is called radium. Radium's the one that looks like chickweed, and this is very different because it's just like a little tree. It doesn't spread out like the chickweed. And I was looking around, I thought that was quite a good specimen till I found this one, and you see it branches out. But as you can see, it's so similar, isn't it? So to identify it, um, you know that this is the radium because it grows like a tree and that one spreads out. But the identifying factor is when you break it, break it, can you see the white milk? There's a white milk there and that white milk is an irritant. So don't put this one in your salad, <laughs> okay? It's an irritant. Your husband will never forgive you. Now you see that white, that white milk there? You can put that on a skin cancer and burn it out. You can put that on a wart and burn it out. You can put that on a mole and burn it out. It's an irritant. It's, it'll irritate whatever you put it to. So what you can do is you can put a little bit of olive oil or coconut oil um, or purple ointment, something like that, around the edge of the mole or wart or skin cancer and just put that on the, on the skin cancer, wart or mole. It'll flare up. It's an irritant. It's doing its work. It'll look terrible, but that's what it does. If you go and have a skin cancer burnt off from the doctor, it's going to look terrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's just burning it out. So remember, this one is an irritant. Don't eat it, but you can irritate or burn out any little bits and pieces on your body that you'd like to burn out. So that's really the only thing that you would use the radium for. It's also called milkweed because of that little dot of milk that comes out. Obviously, the thicker the stem, the, the, the better milk that you will get. Now we're going to have a look at, uh, here's another one. Now this is sorrel. And I'll draw the leaf. It's actually a bit pointy. So the, the identifying with sorrel is it has those two little lobes at the bottom. And sometimes, sometimes it'll have another little dip there. So what we've already looked at is chickweed. We've also looked at um, radium. 
And remember the chickweed's the nice one with the little thread and the radium that has the milk in it. And we've also looked at stinging nettle. A friend of mine is German and he says that he makes stinging nettle salad. I said, you make stinging nettle salad. And what he does is he cuts it up really, really tiny. I've yet to eat it. <laughs> yes, that's nettle tea. Yep, nettle tea. And you'll find, um, if you find a mix for, say, the prostate, you'll often have nettle in it. And the other thing nettle is used for is um, tine iron. So often if people are anemic, they'll use nettle tea. If you get a herb book, you'll find many herbs have got a whole lot of things you can do, but I like to target the specifics because there are some herbs that are specifically better for certain things than others. Last night I talked about the hawthornberry, and the hawthornberry is a specific for the heart. Cayenne pepper is a specific for the blood, and that's good news. That means it can be used all over the body. In fact, in the book Curing with Cayenne, the author Sam Beiser, he says you can put cayenne pepper with other herbs to increase their, their potency. So you could put cayenne pepper with, with hawthornberry to increase the hawthornberry's action on the heart. And you can put um, cayenne pepper with something like uh, cranberry, which will help to increase the cranberry's ability to help resolve uh, UTI or urinary tract infections. So what do you use sorrel for? Um, sorrel is one of those green herbs and there are many of them that is, a, that is like a sweet bitter. So if you chew on the sorrel, it almost has a sweet aftertaste, but it's a slightly bitter. And all your bitter herbs are specifics for your liver to preserve fresh herbs and enjoy flavor all year round. Let's start with herb bones. As the season wraps up, we traditionally harvest all our herbs to store them for winter and stocking up our pantry. Choose any herb you fancy for this recipe. First, remove the leaves, setting aside the stems for stock. Roughly chop the leaves, then spoon about one teaspoon into each ice cube tray compartment and drench with olive oil. Freeze and pop them out when you're cooking dishes like those tasty roasted potatoes. The second technique involves salt, perhaps the most popular herb preservation method. And guess what? You can whip up your blend in just five minutes. Spread the mixture on a baking tray, let it air dry at room temperature, store it in jars, and the best part is it gets even better over time. Our third method is butter. I went with plant-based butter, but pick your favorite. Infuse it with lemon zest and combine all ingredients in a bowl. Transfer to compostable clean wrap, roll it tightly and chill until it's firm. And finally, infuse the oil. Whether you air dry or use a dehydrator, ensure your herbs feel crispy at the touch. Add both stems and leaves to a jar and submerge in your preferred carrier oil. And all your green herbs are very high in chlorophyll and chlorophyll is plant blood. And the molecular structure of chlorophyll is very similar to the molecular structure of human blood. Let me show you. So this is the molecular structure of human blood. 
And this is the molecular structure of plant blood, which is chlorophyll. So there's the plant and there's the human. Almost identical, almost. The middle molecule in plant is magnesium and the middle molecule in human is iron. And that's why the, the green drinks, the um, green barleys, green smoothies, all your green plants, except for the radium, you can use to boost, boost iron in the blood. Also, green juice, which is your plant blood, it's one of the most potent blood and tissue cleansers in the body, cleanses the tissues. So sorrel, throw it in your salads, it's quite nice. Buzz it up in your green drinks, very nice. There's one that you probably would not want to put in your green drinks, definitely not the radium, and that is dandelion. Now I was able to get quite a few different specimens of dandelion and the way to identify dandelion is the line has sharp teeth and so on the edge of the dandelion there's very sharp edges. Now those edges don't look very sharp. I found this one um, right underneath a bush and look at this leaf here. It hardly even looks like a dandelion leaf. But if you look closely, you can see those little edges. But I was able to find, um, it's got a bit of dirt in it. This one was near the front door. And can you see the leaves are very sharp there? And you would wonder if that and that was the same plant, wouldn't you? But you see, grown in different areas, this was more sun exposed and weather exposed, whereas this one was more underneath the bushes. So the identifying factors with the dandelion are these sharp, sharp corners. Remember dandelion, the lion's teeth. So that's dandelion. Now there is another herb that looks very similar to dandelion. It's called catsia. Now with the dandelion, the dandelion plant will just shoot up one stalk with one flower, whereas the cat's claw will shoot up several stalks and the stalk will divide and it'll have several flowers. I couldn't see a cat's ear, but I did. Ah, oh, yes, I did. I found in the grass the dandelion stem. Now, the dandelion stem... See, the dandelion and the cat's ear flower look very similar. They're both yellow, but the dandelion flower will be a little bit bigger. So you'll know which is which by the stem. And the dandelion stem is hollow. My children used to pick them and use them as straws. So the dandelion stem is hollow. And also, the cat's ear stem is not. It's sort of more disjointed. And again, in fact, I'll draw a picture of it. We'll rub this one out. So with the dandelion, it's it's definitely it's it's got the sharp leaves. And then you'll have lots of leaves here. And it'll just have one stem that'll go straight up 
and it'll have the flower on top. Whereas the cat's ear, the, the leaves are more like this. They're more round, they're not sharp, but they're very similar. They have all the leaves around like that, but they'll have a stem that'll go like that and they'll have the yellow flower on it like that. And sometimes they have another one that, that divides like that and it'll have the flower up like that. Once you start looking, you'll be able to identify the difference. Another big difference between the cat's claw and the dandelion is not only the sharp edges, but dandelion is smooth, whereas cat's claw is a little bit furry. Now, as, as far as the east is from the west is the medicinal properties. Cat's claw, it's basically only good thing about it is it's a green plant. <laughs> whereas dandelion, Lion is the king of the jungle, and I think dandelion is the king of the, the herbs in the garden because dandelion is a bitter herb. If you were to, to bite it and eat it, it's, it's very, very bitter. And you've heard the old saying, sweet to the mouth, bitter to the stomach. Sweet to the mouth, bitter to the stomach. Think of that with sugar. Sugar is sweet to the mouth but very bitter to the stomach. Whereas your bitter herbs like dandelion, they're bitter to the mouth but very sweet to the stomach because it's the bitter herbs that stimulate the liver to release, to release its um, digestive enzymes. And also it can, the bitterness causes the stomach to release its digestive enzymes too. Dandelion is the liver herb. Your liver is a recoverable organ. It's the only organ in the body that has the ability to regrow or recover. That's why they can do a liver transplant on just a little bit of liver and the, the liver will regrow. And I'm so glad made that God made the liver a recoverable organ because some of the things that people are doing to their body, in ignorance, mostly granted, if we didn't have a recoverable organ, some of us wouldn't even live past our 20s. But God in his great wisdom and mercy made the liver to be a recoverable organ. And these herbs help stimulate the liver to regrow and to recover. Cancer cannot get a hold on the body if the liver's working in optimum performance. And one, one liver herb that many people don't realize it is, is the lemon. So a great drink in the morning, remember you wake up, have your water, have another bit of water, and then when you come near the kitchen, have the kettle boiled and put juice of a lemon in some water with a little bit of boiling water on top and have a warm lemon drink. Fantastic uh, liver tonic early in the morning. Also, the lemon is an internal alkalizer, so that will do it too, a few things. <laughs> because I could spend a lot of time on comfrey. Comfrey is a remarkable herb. And comfrey has a growth stimulant, so don't put it in your garden. It will just take over because it's got a growth stimulant. 
Now maybe down here in Invercargill, with your cool winter months and lots of frost, maybe it won't get out of control because in the winter all the leaves go and the root remains. But in the early spring, the, the comfrey shoots up. Now comfrey contains a growth stimulant, so wherever you apply comfrey, it's going to stimulate rapid healing. Its nickname is knit bone because of its ability to knit bone. And it can knit tendons and leggings and tissues. In the spring and in the summer, the, the active nutrients from the comfrey are found in the new leaves. But in the autumn and in the winter, all the healing properties go down to the root. So if you use comfrey in the winter, you use the root. If you use comfrey in the spring and summer, you use the leaves. The smaller leaves are very, very potent. Now there's been, um, there have been messages coming out through the media that comfrey is dangerous. Have you heard that? And it will cause liver damage. Well, in her book, How I Can Use Herbs in My Everyday Life, Isabel Shepherd, she gives a whole section on comfrey and she tells the story of a farmer who bought an old cow, um, female cow, from the abattoirs. The, the cow was old, could hardly walk, and he was going to experiment on this old cow because the cow was going to die anyway. So all the farmer did was give it comfrey leaves and he wilted them. They'll wilt, you know, within an hour of picking so the cow could eat more. The cow got stronger and stronger and bigger and started prancing around the paddock and started to produce milk. And he said the cream on that milk was about a third of the milk. <laughs> Why did he do it? To prove. <laughs> See, they say that comfrey will cause liver damage. That's all this cow ate. Didn't even eat any grass, just the comfrey. Incredible experiment. Sheep will eat it too. Sheep will eat it too. And sheep will not eat a plant that will hurt them, will they? It's a remarkable herb because it has a growth stimulant in it. It's got a growth stimulant. It's anti-inflammatory. So it gets the inflammation down. And it's a lubricant. So it's excellent on bones. We had a lady, and I'll make this story very short. She broke her leg, she broke her tibia and her fibula, and she had a crushed knee. And we knew it was broken because when we found her, she'd fallen off a bike, um, she was 56. The bone was not sticking through the skin, but it was poking up like a tent. Anyway, we had a guy there that knew bones, and he said, hold on, Katie, and he realigned it. The ambulance came, took her away, and... Anyway, she was in hospital three weeks and they would not operate. They were going to do pins and plates on her because um, her leg was so swollen. And her husband was getting frustrated with this, so he brought her home and we brought her into my lounge room. And it was the winter, so we grated up the comfrey root every night. Every night we grated up the comfrey root. We made a poultice. You grate up the root and it goes like chewing gum. See, it's got this lubricant in it. And we'd make a poultice like I showed you the other day and then I'd pour a little bit of boiling water on it to soften it a bit and warm it and put it on the leg. And I put it around the knee and also where the break was in the tibia and the fibula. And we would pray over it. We'd say, Father in heaven, we don't know what we're doing here, but you do. You know, that lady totally healed. 
It was incredible. We, she did not get out of bed for, I think it was five weeks. And we kept it, we kept it straight, but every night we put the comfrey poultice on it. And then after six weeks, she started to uh, walk with crutches. And then I think it was another two weeks and she started gingerly walk with a walking frame. And it was probably about three months and she was running. Now they told her she'd probably never walk properly again because it was such a serious break. Now that was probably the most serious thing that we have ever done. And the doctor went, when she went back to the doctor, he said it mustn't have been broken. But there was an x-ray that showed it and the bone was nearly through because it's unbelievable, isn't it? It isn't when you realise what comfrey does. Remember the three things? It has a growth stimulant. So whether it be bone or tissue or tendon or ligament or skin. Growth stimulant, it's a lubricant, excellent for joints. And it also reduces the inflammation. So it, I told you that if I was going to talk about comfrey, I'd need a bit of time. It's a remarkable, remarkable herb. So we pick the leaves in the spring and the summer and I dry them till they're totally dried out in a warm oven. And then I pound them up to a powder and I do that three times. So I've got 50 leaves. So in my jar, I've got 150 leaves. They come down to a fine powder. The jar's this big. I fill it a third full. Then I fill it with olive oil and I shake it and I let it sit for two months. And after two months, I strain it into a double saucepan and then I warm beeswax. I mix them together and pour it into jars. And you can ring Misty Mountain Health Retreat and get a jar of comfrey cream. It's dark green. Oh, that's one of my hobbies. <laughs> yes? Yes, comfrey would help, but for arthritis, the ginger poultice will take the inflammation out. Yes? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Every day, even when it looked like it was probably healed, we just still did it. We just still did it. We just still did it. Yep. And it's remarkable how it, how it healed. But I, I was on a plane one day and I was next to an orthopedic surgeon. How I discovered this was because I'm platinum frequent flyer, I'm always up the front of the plane. So this guy was next to me and he had a suit on and he had a book in there and it said healing at a cellular level. So when I sat down, I said, that looks like an interesting book. And he looked at me and said, who are you? I said, I'm Barbara O'Neill. What do you do? I said, I'm a nutritionist and a naturopath. And he went, hmm. I said, and who are you? <laughs> he said, well, I'm Dr. Such and Such, and I'm an orthopedic surgeon. And I went, hmm. <laughs> anyway, now we're on a level ground. We began to talk. He said, you know, before we orthopedic surgeons, bones healed. Hmm? Bones healed. The orthopedic surgeon can't heal a bone. The body heals the bone. So basically what the comfrey did, and I think if we didn't do the comfrey, I think it probably would have still healed, but not as quickly. <laughs> the, the comfrey boosted up and I was giving her high nutrition. In fact, this orthopedic surgeon said to me, do you know half of the surgeries we do are unnecessary? Wow. I said, well, what I do is I teach people to look after their body so they don't get to you. He said, good. He said, I don't do unnecessary surgeries, but he said, many do. He said, they've got to pay the bills. 
oh, think about that. So how nice if we can keep our body strong and healthy. I said to him, well, if I get a broken bone, I'll come and see you. He said, I won't see you. Because <laughs> he knew. He said, I got these women and their knees are breaking up. He said, they're very overweight. He said, I, they insist, so I do knee replacement. He said, I don't know how that knee's going to ever heal with all that weight on it. He said, we have a hard job. And I agree, they do have a hard job. They do the best they can, but how nice if we can actually give our body the condition so it's strong and healthy, and if there is an injury, it will heal. And these herbs help, and the poultices help, and the hydrotherapy helps. Remember, it is the body and the body alone that can heal. I thank God for the healing powers of the body, but I also thank him for these herbs. And I thank him for the poultices, and I thank him for the water therapies. I love Barbara O'Neill first off. And I'm really debating if I should give comfrey to Seamus or not. I mean, I already, I was planning on starting to grow it in my herb garden in the spring. I'm going to build a, uh, a new box, a new pallet box, herb pallet box. Um, what do you think? Should I give Seamus comfrey? I bet he'll live longer than any Irish set or any Irish uh, wolfhound on the face of the planet. And he'll probably end up being bigger. <laughs> Can y'all imagine? I think that's a great idea, actually. What do you think? I'm going to start feeding Seamus Comfrey. He, uh, he grew his, his second knuckle came in, right? So the way wolfhounds grow is uh, they end up with four big, knuckles like on the top and when they have all four then you know they're done growing Seamus's second just came in he'll be two in January so comfrey for Seamus I think that's an excellent idea anyway however um and, you know, a lot of those herbs, especially dandelions. And I'm so glad that she went over the difference between the cat's claw and the dandelions because I have cat's claw all over my yard. And I was like, what is this? Like, it, it looks like a dandelion, but it wasn't quite a dandelion. I'm glad to know it's basically useless. And I can just pull it and get fit it to the birds, get rid of it. I'm sure, you know, the ducks will love it as a green plant. Um... Dr. Pyrstein said, looks like some kind of squash behind me. Yes, that um, that was squash. That was from the summer. This was actually six weeks. This was a picture of six weeks after I planted the seeds in the electroculture garden. So the Fibonacci sequence starts right here 
uh, behind me and where you see those trellises. I'm sorry, you can't see my mouse. Um, but six weeks after I planted those seeds, that's what the squash flowers, the squash looked like. I got so much squash. It was, it was great. Lots of it. And yeah, you can cook the flowers too. You can even, um, I've seen people like dip them in batter and deep fry them. So I'm looking forward to trying that next spring too. Anyway, moving on. So I made new laundry detergent yesterday. Um, which I do have laundry detergent for sale on the website, electrofreedom.com. I've tweaked the, the scents a little bit. So now it's lemon, rosemary, and mint. And I'll be, I'll be putting refills up there too on the website so that the first time you buy it, you just buy a big, comes in a big glass jar. But then after that, it's, uh, it'll come in a Mylar bag. So I'll be updating that this week. But uh, I want to make my own essential oils to scent the laundry detergent. How do you do that? I don't, I mean, I don't have a big still. I don't have a big distiller. I'd love one, but they're expensive and it's not something that I'm willing to spend money on right now. There's other ways to do it though. So we're going to look at uh, how to make your own essential oil both with and without a distiller. So check this out. This is a quick one. And then the next video will go a little more in depth. All right, so hold on. I'm going to pause this because obviously for the lurkers out there, uh, you can't, you don't know what they're saying. So let's back it up a little bit. Okay. So three to four cups of fresh plant material. Cut it all up, chop it all up. That looks like mint that they have there. Put it in a crock pot. Fill the crock pot about half full. Use distilled water. So important to use distilled water with everything. But cover the plants with distilled water. The water shouldn't fill more than three quarters of the volume of the crock pot. Put the lid on upside down. That'll allow the steam to condense and fall back into the pot. Turn the crock pot on high to heat the water. And then once the water is hot, turn it down to low and let it simmer on low for three to four hours. And when it cools, uh, place it in the refrigerator overnight and a thin, a thin film of oil will form on the top and the oil will be hard after cooling. Quickly lift the oil off before it melts and then store in a colored glass container. That is very cool. Crock pot essential oil. I like it. All right. This one, this one comes from Emma Gardner. Um, this one's a little more in depth. So 
Here we go. All right. Going on, everyone. Welcome to another very exciting episode right here on the MI Gardener channel. I'm so excited for today's episode because I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time now. A lot of you have been asking me, Luke, I'd like to learn how to make essential oils from my garden. And I've been someone that, have, that has really wanted to do that as well, especially given the, uh, the, the circumstances around this year and everything that's been going on. There's been a huge demand for essential oils to do things like boost the immune system. In fact, just the other day, I was at my health food store picking up some, uh, some stuff, and I noticed that the entire rack of immune booster essential oils was completely sold out. So uh, I wanted to talk about how to make essential oils. I think it's very important to, uh, to learn how to make essential oils because essential oils, if you're not using them for you know, immunotherapy or uh, for, your, for your body, you can also use them in two other areas, which are huge benefits. Culinary, you can use essential oils culinarily. You know, essential oils can be used in a whole host of things. Um, you know, peppermint oil, you can flavor dishes like peppermint. Uh, you can use uh, things like thyme oil to flavor sauces and whatnot. You can use these little potent drops of, of oil to flavor entire dishes. And so it can be very, uh, very effective to flavor your dishes very inexpensively. Another thing that you can use essential oils for is to protect your garden. We've talked about, I think at length, how essential oils can be used to protect your garden from pests. Things like squash vine borer, peppermint oil is very effective to protect against squash vine borer. You can also use things like basil oil, lemongrass oil, thyme oil. There's a lot of benefits to these essential oils in your garden against things like aphids, white flies, tomato hornworm, squash vine borer, uh, spider mites. There's a ton of benefits that essential oils have. And so uh, even if you're not using them for uh, medicinal reasons, there are other reasons to make essential oils. And so I hope you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Now I'm going to be making some peppermint essential oil because I use peppermint oil for sore muscles after a long day in the garden. I have a stiff back sometimes and um, sometimes I have stiff wrists, especially my left wrist because I broke it playing football. Um, definitely not uh, Definitely not the funnest moment in my life, um, but I do still have some, some tightness uh, in there from some scar tissue. And every once in a while, I'll put a little bit of uh, peppermint oil on there and it is wonderful for it, really wonderful. So I use it for that, but also you can use it. I can use it to, uh, to flavor some dishes up if I'm making some, some uh, homemade peppermint ice cream, which maybe we'll do sometime. Some, peppermint, uh, some homemade peppermint chip ice cream. You can use peppermint oil for that. And uh, it's very, very effective. So that's what we're gonna be doing. Um, and also I can use the peppermint oil left over I'm not using it on my body or my food. I can use it on my garden to protect against uh, pests. So I love, love, love peppermint oil. Um, you can also use this in uh, your uh, essential oil diffusers for just a regular aromatherapy. So love, love that. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be pulling up and harvesting a lot of this peppermint. Now we had some peppermint here in our uh, little raised herb bed here and it started trailing on the ground. And once it starts trailing, it gets out of control so quickly because it grows like a vine. It sets down roots all along the stem. And I talk about how if you don't get rid of it, it will propagate and self-propagate and take over your garden. And so that's kind of what's been happening. So I'm going to get in here. I'm going to harvest all of this mint. I'm going to harvest as much of it as I can. And I'm going to uh, take it over to my parents' house and I'm going to use their kitchen because uh, they have a much prettier and brighter kitchen than we do. And I'm going to use uh, a distillery kit that I purchased. Now I got this distillery kit on Amazon. We'll talk more about it when we get over there, but I purchased this distillery kit 
for I think like $110, $115, very inexpensive. And so I'm gonna use the kit and hopefully my goal is that it's gonna pay for itself over the course of one or two seasons. All right, so we got a huge bundle of mint here. This is a combination of chocolate mint, apple mint, peppermint, and spearmint. So we're gonna take all of this and uh, we just harvested the whole thing, roots and all. And we're going to, I mean, we, we shook off as much of the dirt as we could. Very important to do that. But uh, we'll also give it a you know, kind of a one-two wash once we get it over to the house. Um, and we harvest the whole thing. Now, a lot of people will suggest using the younger growth because it has more essential oil content. But the fact of the matter is, if you're looking to uh, cut away large portions of the plant, I took away everything that was growing on the ground. Every single thing that was growing on the ground, we pulled up. And that way we could really just eradicate it from spreading into the garden any further. Um, but we harvested the whole thing, you know, stem and all. It's all going to have essential oil content at the end of the day. And so what's really nice is you don't have to pick the prettiest stuff. You just have to pick stuff that has essential oils. And that's what's really, really nice about producing essential oils with the food that you grow is, uh, is that you don't have to, it doesn't have to be pretty. All right, so we're ready to make some essential oils. In the sink, I've got the mint that we harvested. Uh, this way I can rinse off any dirt and debris. And we've got our distillation kit. Now this is a really simple kit. I'm super excited to talk about this just because of how simple it is. Now, things that I've seen in the past, they seem really overbuilt. They seem very overcomplicated uh, and they're also very expensive. And for me and what I'm doing and the, you know, the scale that I'm doing them at, it just none of those really seem to, to fit my needs. But again, this is a, an a, uh, at-home version distillation kit. It seems super easy to use and a very foolproof and, uh, and so when I saw it, I was very, very excited because it, it seemed like it really would fit my needs. Again, this only cost me, I think, like $110, $115 or so. Uh, very inexpensive for what it is and, uh, and compared to the other stuff that's out there. Um, and it's not going to do a whole lot. I understand that. It's not going to be for you know, large, large batches. But for, again, the scale that I'm doing them at and the, the use that I'm using them for, I think this is going to be really great. So uh, it comes here with uh, just a just a regular pot. Uh, this pot is kind of like a pressure cooker style distillation kit. Um, a lot of the pressure cookers uh, can be retrofitted to uh, to be distillation kits, but this is very safe because um, it basically has a one-way steam valve. So all the steam builds up in here and it has to go out somewhere. So the pressure actually does not build up. There's no risk of this exploding, which I like. Um, it also has a, a rubber gasket that this lid sits on. And then these latches just clamp it down nice and tight so that, uh, so that it sits on the rubber gasket and does not allow any steam to come out. So it fits just like that, which is great. It comes with some rubber tubing because uh, you can hook this up to your cold water and cycle cold water through your, uh, through your condenser pot. Now your condenser pot is basically just a, a place that holds cold water and it's got copper coils. And what happens is the hot steam comes through the copper coil. And then as it comes in contact with the cold water, it condenses the steam into liquid. And that allows the oil or alcohol to separate out from the water. Very, very simple, uh, very, very simple mechanics here. And uh, the one thing that I had to do is I had to retrofit it, as you can see, uh, because I don't have a way of getting to uh, my parents' cold water. The sink is very far away from the stove. And so, this would work if the, if the stove was close to the sink, but because it's not, um, I just took a small piece of it, clipped it off with some scissors, put it on the, uh, the in and out port 
on the pot there. And I'm just going to fill this up with ice water. That's going to work out totally fine, especially for, for my needs and the length that I'm going to be using. Again, if you're going to be using this for hours and hours and hours, you might have to replace it with some fresh ice and you know keep emptying it and whatnot. But again, for my needs, this is going to be totally fine. So again, this just uh, has a little spout here that hooks up to uh, to the uh, to the one-way steam valve. And that way, pressure does not build. It just lets out steam out this hole, almost like a tea kettle. And so very, very simple, just like that. So now that we've got this all set up, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to undo all of this, fill it with the mint, fill it with some water, pop it on the stove, and we're going to be making essential oils that fast. It's so easy to use, and uh, I'm really excited. So let's go. And the suggested height that you want to fill this at is you just want to fill this up to the level that has uh, that has plant material. You don't want to fill it all the way up to the top, not necessary. The less, the less water, the better, but you don't want it to boil dry either. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put some, some ice water into this condenser pot here. And then that way, as it steams, the, the steam that's generated is going to uh, be cooled here. So I just want the ice to be in here so it's really nice and cold. I don't know if you can see that filmy layer, but that's the oil for me. Check it out. It is absolutely incredible. All right, so I ran for about 15 minutes total and I got this cup almost full and this smaller cup full. Now, not all of this is going to be essential oil. Most of this is water. In fact, about probably 99% of this is water. But you'll notice on top of both of these, there's a thin film. And if you really focus in, I'm not sure if you can see it, but there's a little line. And that little line is the separation between the uh, the oil and the water and that is what you can actually take and pipette off now i have a little micro pipette here and this little micro pipette uh, is what i can use to suck off the top little layer and i can further refine it by just keeping sucking this up and uh, and then putting it into a smaller container letting it settle out and then sucking up the uh, the water by sticking it all the way down sticking it all the way down because the, the water is at the bottom, because the oil floats, I can suck out the water, let it settle, uh, and just continue to do that to further refine it. All right, and the final thing you have to do is just store it. And so all I've done is I've repurposed some of our old essential oil bottles here, 
And uh, these are really great because they're amber. You want a glass amber bottle because it protects the quality of the essential oil. Keep it away from any heat and sunlight, and that way it doesn't degrade, and it's going to stay fresh for a long time. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you learned something new. I really hope that you try this, and let me know what you would try to distill uh, in the comments box below. Keep it uh, YouTube friendly, obviously, but you know you could use limes for making lime oil. You could use lemons for making lemon oil, oranges, orange oil, anything that has a high essential oil content, you could use. And so I'm really excited about this, and I'm probably going to be messing around with this thing for quite a while. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Hopefully you learned something new. And as always, this is Luke from the MI Gardener channel reminding you to grow big or go home. I'll catch you all later. See ya. That's cool. If you have a distiller, seems like the crock pot method is just as easy though, or maybe easier. Although we do love fun new toys and you could use that for alcohol as well. You know, Anyway, you can also make your own distiller out of stuff you have in your kitchen. Check this out, a do-it-yourself kitchen still. Because why not? Why spend 150 bucks on Amazon when you can do it with, you know, rig it yourself? The homesteading way. Hello, my friends. I'm going to show you an easy method of extracting oil from herbs along with producing hydrosol or floral water, which has many uses. First, let's construct the still. This is six feet of quarter inch copper coil. And copper coil is a, an, an annealed, which means softened. So it's a softened copper tubing. And I'm using my propane bottle here. And I will use this as a form. Base these and right there. This is now being real gentle so that I don't put a kink in it. That's the cooling tube. This will exit the uh, cooling container. This is the input. The steam will come in here. And as it gets pushed through, it'll be cooled by the water, by the ice water. And then it'll be dripping out of this end. Here's the coolant bucket. 
oil will go into. And for the outflow of the tube, I have this rubber grommet. This is a quarter inch grommet. It will slide onto the tube. And if we get our measurements right, it'll be watertight. This end goes to the pressure cooker. This is my patch of lemongrass that I'm going to harvest. This is a 16-quart pressure cooker, and I'm going to use the, the framework in there. That's going to hold the uh, stems, the lemongrass. It'll hold it above the liquid. I'm going to add two quarts of either distilled water or what I have is reverse osmosis which I think is better to use than the distilled. Okay, now the water will go in here. And what I have is a pizza tray with holes. This will go over top. This will separate the water from the lemongrass stems. Let me add the water. after the water, and we add the tray. Lemongrass will go on that. I'm gonna clean the dead stalk, dead leaves out of here.
we're going to compact that, put as much as we can in here. Here's the whole batch, packed in pretty tight. Now the lid, the gasket is supposed to be soaked for about 20 minutes. And then here the lid. Right there, this is going to be the exhaust. And that will go on like that. Now we focus on the bucket. This is the coolant. We're going to fill this with ice and water. Now, whatever heat that we make, we have to cool it down. And we're going to collect the water, the steam vapor, which will be mixed with the oils. And it also, it will be the hydrosol, which is the floral water, the water that comes out of the tissue of the plant. that mixes in here does not have to be distilled or the reverse osmosis. I'm just using tap water. You can see on the surface the beads of oil sitting on top of the hydrosol. There's about a quart and a half of hydrosol.
Here's the oil that we produced. <clears throat> it was a very easy process. Has a lot of potential for a lot of homegrown medicines. Thanks for watching, my friends. Bye-bye. I like it. That's excellent. So little oil from such a whole lot. But uh, at the same time, you know, that water is great too. You can use that water for all kinds of things. Um, you can add it to your cleaning, like your vinegar for cleaning, uh, especially with like lemon and orange, things like that. You can use it in your, um, like in your diffusers, right? You can use it in food. You can even drink it. So all kinds of great things. Don't get rid of the water when you harvest the oil. Plus the oil is really strong. All right. Let's, uh, let's look how to make homemade orange zest oil. Because I'm definitely going to be doing oranges here soon. Tis the season for oranges. Okay, so after the first wash, soak oranges in water and baking soda solution, especially if you're buying them from the store and not picking them off a tree. So doing this will help remove pesticides and other chemicals from the fruits. Unless you grow them yourself without pesticides and other chemicals. So water and baking soda gets rid of the pesticides for 10 minutes. Try them off. Then grate them. Use a grater to make orange zest. Oh, there's so much you can do with oranges stacks. And yes, the oil does evaporate out with the water. But don't get rid of the peels. Make orange zest first. You can also freeze that and use it in all kinds of things. So use um, mild and light olive oil. Put the orange zest in a mason jar, two to three tablespoons of orange zest to a half a cup of olive oil. Seal it up, shake it up. Put it near the window for five days, shake twice a day. On the fifth day, strain the oil, put in a sealed jar.
then you can also use that orange zest for things too. But use the oil for cooking, making scented candles and soaps, aromatherapy, etc. Okay, so that's easy. Orange zest. Then rosemary oil. I have a ton of rosemary to harvest as well. And did you know that you can use rosemary oil to regrow your hair? If your hair is thinning or you're going bald, Rosemary oil is the best thing you can use on your hair to make it thick and full and regrow. Isn't that crazy? Check this out. All right, so this herb contains strong anti-inflammatory, antiseptic, and hair growth boosting properties. That is rosemary. So you're going to cut it all up, stems and all. Two cups of distilled water. Boil it. Three fresh rosemary sprigs. Bring the water to a boil. Add in the leaves. Lower the flame, cover the pot, let it simmer for 10 minutes. and strain it out. And you can add to add two drops of essential oil, which you can make the rosemary essential oil the same way that you do the lemongrass one. Put it in a jar and spray the hair tonic on your hair after you wash your hair or before you go to bed. And your hair will regrow. Well, prevent hair loss. Yeah. Make rosemary oil for stronger hair and to grow thicker eyebrows using a double boiler method. So check this out. So add water to a pan and place a bowl on top. Add one cup of coconut oil. a half a cup of rosemary leaves. Gently warm the oil for 20 to 30 minutes on a low flame. Strain it out. 
put it in an airtight glass jar. And you can massage a few drops on your hair before you wash your hair. So one tablespoon of rosemary oil. One tablespoon of black castor oil. I love organic Jamaican castor oil. It is the best for like everything. And apply a small amount to, on your eyebrows before going to bed for thicker eyebrows. It also works for your eyelashes, by the way. Isn't that crazy? So, want your hair to grow thicker and fuller? There you go. You know you can make rosemary oil with... Okay. You know what? Let's keep going here real quick. Dried rosemary leaves. It's definitely a bit of a process. But I think it's worth it. I feel like by now we've all heard of rosemary oil and how it has all these great benefits for your hair and it can potentially make your hair grow faster and longer and healthier. And I've even tried making rosemary oil, which you can watch the video for, but I used fresh rosemary in that video and I found out later that it only lasts about a week, maybe two, and you have to keep it in the fridge, which seemed impossible to use all that rosemary oil within that amount of time. So today I wanna try making it with dried rosemary because this is supposed to last much longer than a week and it seems pretty easy to do too. So let's do it. All you really need is dried rosemary leaves. These are obviously pre-packaged. You can also dry your own from fresh if you want. Olive oil is what I'm using, but you can use any oil of your choice. I do think the oil you choose is kind of important and it depends like on your hair type and the results you're trying to get out of it. But I'm choosing olive oil because my hair is very, very dry, which I talk about all the time on my channel, and I just need something that's very hydrating. So I'm gonna try olive oil this time. Last time I made this, I used grapeseed oil, which also worked pretty good, but grapeseed oil doesn't um, absorb as deeply into your hair. You can also use argan oil, you can use jojoba oil, you can use almond oil or coconut oil is supposed to be actually really good to use with this. If you are going to use coconut oil, I would recommend to not use the solid kind. I would probably choose the liquid kind. But again, the oil you choose is totally up to you, but there are many oils that you can choose from. I got my rosemary, got my oil, and last thing you need is a jar. Yeah, I think that's all you need. <laughs> Let's get to making it. The recipe I'm using is from WikiHow, and the first step they say to do is to sanitize your jar, which is why I have boiling water behind me, so I'm gonna do that now. I think you're supposed to use tongs to put it in there, but I don't have any right now, so I'm just gonna try to be as careful as I possibly can. I think that should do it. You're supposed to let this boil for 10 minutes, so I'm just gonna set a timer. This will just prevent any bacteria from getting into the oil, especially because this is a recipe that you just leave out. So you don't want it to go bad. Just drop my phone So we're sanitizing the jar and then also important to clean the lid. I'm just gonna wash this with soap and water. This is just a regular mason jar, by the way. I'm sure you could use any jar that you have. I'm just gonna quickly dry off 
the lid too because I think it's probably a good idea to not have any water in our oil because they obviously don't mix. Oh, I just gotta wait for the jar. Okay, so my jar is now cool to the touch and it is dry. So I'm gonna grab my rosemary leaves and I have a tablespoon. The recipe says to use a large tablespoon. Just get a nice big, yeah, heaping tablespoon right in there. It smells so good. Grabbing my olive oil and we're supposed to do two cups of oil. Almost a whole bottle. Okay, so now I just pour the olive oil over top of the rosemary leaf. Alright, I'm just gonna take my spoon and just gently press all of those leaves into the oil. This mason jar holds exactly two cups. Of liquid so it's perfect. The recipe does say to leave a little bit of space at the top. I'm not sure why. I guess like just in case. It... I mean it's not gonna boil a lot. It says to leave half an inch of room so that's what I did and that is exactly two cups. It looks really cool. Now I'm just gonna put the lid on and there is our dried rosemary oil. And now this is the fun part. Now we have to let it sit to be infused. Well, it's actually not the fun part. It might be the hardest part out of all of this. Now we have to let it sit for two weeks in the sun. And the reason why you want to do this is because the heat from the sun helps the rosemary release its nutrients into the oil. And that is how you get infused rosemary oil. So yeah, I'm just going to set this on my windowsill. In two weeks, you will finally be able to see the end result. look at this thing every single day for two weeks just waiting for it to be ready to use but we're finally here i'm so excited to try it i really wish i had a more convenient container or like dropper bottle for it but i don't so i'm just gonna put it in a little bowl and do it out of here let's do it as you can see my hair is definitely dry it needs an oil treatment for sure my scalp is kind of like itchy and just it needs to be washed now before i apply the oil i'm actually going to take this sort of wide tooth 
wooden comb because I've done a lot of research on scalp oiling and the right way and the wrong way to do it. And a lot of people say that you should stimulate your scalp before you put oil on it. And the best thing to use for that is something with natural bristles. This is wood. This is, I think it's sandalwood. Pretty sure what this is. I got it on Amazon. I will link it in the description box. Um, but I'm gonna just use this to stimulate my scalp. So I like to just kind of press right at my hairline to make sure I'm not causing any tension on that sensitive part of my scalp. And I did already detangle my hair and it kind of seems kind of tangled again. But I'll just go throughout my whole scalp and I'll do this for a few minutes before I put any oil on, before I wash my hair. Sometimes I do this, even if I'm not washing my hair, just to like kind of wake up my scalp. I've just been noticing that it helps it feel really good. So I'm gonna do this for a few minutes, flip my head over, make sure I'm getting the back as well. Now I'm just gonna put some of my oil into this little glass bowl. This is mostly just so I don't contaminate the entire jar by like sticking my hands in there stuff. I want to try to keep that as clean as possible because it's supposed to last a year unrefrigerated, which is amazing. I thought it would smell more like rosemary, but it kind of smells like olive oil. <laughs> a little odd, but it's fine. I'm gonna take a little bit of time, warm it up a little, applying it to my scalp. Make sure to really focus on those front areas. Gently massaging it in, and whenever I feel like it's kind of disappeared from my fingertips. All right, if she wants it to smell more like rosemary, she needs to put some rosemary essential oil in there too. So anyway, so rosemary oil for your hair. I personally would use coconut oil, refractionated coconut oil, um, but that's a, a great way to do it. Remember, it does have to sit for two weeks at least in the sun. The longer it sits, the better it gets. So... And let's look at two ways to make lemongrass essential oil without, I believe, using that um, crazy do-it-yourself distiller. So I have so much lemongrass as well that I need to harvest. Check this out. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to my channel. Thank you all for returning. And I really appreciate you all. I believe you're all doing great by the grace of God. If it's your first time, you are warmly welcome. I would love to have you here. So please subscribe to join this amazing family. Family, today we are making another oil and it's none other than lemongrass oil. Lemongrass oil is very essential in our homes. And today I'm going to show you two ways of making lemongrass oil. It's so quick, so simple and easy to make. Lemongrass oil is so loving. I love the aroma. I love the beautiful smell. And it can help release anxiety and many more. Let's get started. First, of course, all you need is your lemongrass and they are nicely washed, guys. So now I'm putting them dry or you can even leave them in the sun or even let the air dry it, okay? If you want to use the lemongrass oil for a longer period of time, then make sure that there's no water in the lemongrass at all. So at this stage, pat it dry properly, air dry it properly, or even sun dry it properly. That is the best option, okay? Do that and you are rest assured that your oil will stay longer on the shelf. 
once they are powdered dry, I'm going to air dry them for some few minutes and I'll cut them into pieces. You can even use your knife, but the kitchen scissors works faster. Okay? And I'm going to also cut the white part off. I don't need that in the oil, but you can use it anyway, but I don't want it now in the oil. Okay? So use them if you want. It's optional. Family, we are almost there, so go nowhere. It's time to add any career oil to the saucepan and add the lemongrass. And I'm using coconut oil. You can use olive oil, sunflower oil, almond oil. Just use any oil of your choice, okay? I'm dividing the lemongrass into two because I'm showing you two ways of making lemongrass oil. And this is the first method. Okay, so add any kind of oil and let it be above the lemongrass or the same level as the lemongrass. Okay, just as I'm doing. I'm going to let it simmer for about three to five minutes whilst it infuses its nutrients into the coconut oil. Okay, do this on a low to medium temperature is the best. Okay. This is the second method, and I'm transferring the lemongrass into the bowl like this. And after that, I'll use my carrier oil, which is the coconut oil. Use any carrier oil of your choice, okay? You can use almond oil, olive oil, sunflower oil. Just use any oil of your choice and let it be above the lemongrass or at the same level as the lemongrass, okay? And with this, we are using the double boiling method to infuse the nutrients of the lemongrass into the coconut oil. This one is almost done. Very soon I'll turn off the heat and I'll let it cool down before I strain the lemongrass infused oil into a jar. So for our family, if you're enjoying this video, please don't forget to give your girl a big thumbs up. Don't forget to comment, share, and Recommend this channel to friends and families who may also like my videos. And if it's your first time, hey, I'd love to have you here. You are warmly welcome. Please subscribe. Click on the bell button to receive notifications whenever I upload new videos and you will never regret it, okay? Now, don't forget to check on them periodically and let it still be at the low to medium temperature. Let's combine everything nicely and beautifully together. Stirring will help the lemongrass infuse its nutrients faster and properly into the oil. It's most amazing. Now that it's all done for me, I'll just turn off the heat and let it cool down before I strain off the lemongrass infused coconut oil into a bottle or any container of my choice. Now I'm going ahead to also mix the coconut oil and the lemongrass with my spatula, yes, like this, so that it will infuse faster and properly and I'll be done and dusted in no time, okay? 
like the first one, if it's infused to your desired level, then turn off the heat and let it cool down, okay? Please do not use plastic when you do that. You're just leaching microplastics, BPAs into your oil. Use a glass bowl. Finally, family, we are here and we can see that this coconut oil is well infused with the lemongrass nutrients. This is so amazing. It smells beautiful. So now, family, let's strain the oil into our container. And just like that, we'll be done making our lemongrass oil. Lemongrass oil has so many uses and is a favorite for massage. It offers purifying benefits for the skin and promotes a positive outlook. Lemongrass oil also supports healthy digestion when used internally. It can help eliminate anxiety and can help soften hardened skin. I love lemongrass oil and family, just like that. I am done. This is so amazing. For more videos like this, like and follow my Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. And let's build this amazing family together. Lemongrass oil also has an amazing um, insect repellent. So especially down here in the south, we have noceums, sand gnats. They hate lemongrass. So that's, that's great. Lemongrass tea keeps them away as well. So you can drink lemon, lemongrass tea. Yeah. Then, although my lavender didn't bloom this year, I know a lot of people's did. So let's learn how to make lavender essential oil. This is a little different. Vodka. To make your lavender essential oil, you will need a mortar and pestle, some vodka, and some dried lavender. I let my lavender dry for about a week after picking it from fresh. You're going to start out by shucking your lavender into the mortar. Next, you want to use the pestle to gently crush the lavender. We want to release the oil before combining it with the vodka. Then we want to transfer the crushed lavender into a mason jar or any sort of glass jar. We want to avoid plastic so that the plastic doesn't seep into the liquid. So a glass jar is perfect like this mason jar right here. Next, we're going to pour vodka over the lavender. We want to make sure to completely submerge the lavender in vodka. And then you're going to put a cap on top and put it in a sunny area for about a week. Next, you will need a coffee filter. We are going to strain out our what is now lavender vodka into another jar so that we can turn it into lavender essential oil. 
Once we finish straining it, we're going to cover it with another coffee filter on top and then let it sit for a few days before transferring it to a jar. You can use it as a spray for pillows to relax yourself at night, or you can apply it directly to your wrists for relaxation. You can also put it in a diffuser. There are tons of uses for lavender. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe. If you weren't aware, vodka is actually a very, very common vehicle for essential oils. So then oregano oil. I have so much oregano. I can't wait. Stop. You're not playing yet. Okay. Back to my channel. Good to have you back. So in today's video, I'll be showing you how to make oregano oil. Here, I'll be using fresh oregano. You can use the dried one if that's what you have. Okay, so here is a bunch of fresh oregano which I'll be using. First of all, we are going to start by detaching the leaves from the stem. Okay, I'm going to keep that aside. Okay, so I'm done picking the leaves. Okay, I'm going to clean the leaves by rinsing it a few times because there's sand. Okay. I'm not, I'm done washing the leaves, so I'm just going to drain it a little bit. Let's see for a minute just for the water to reduce from the leaf. Now we are going to reduce the leaf. You can either bring this into a mortar and pound it a little bit or just chop it with a knife. To allow the leaf absorb the oil in it. Okay, so I'm done chopping the leaves. Now we are going to bring this into a sterilized jar. Any glass jar will do with the lid. Okay, so once I'm done placing this in a jar, I'm going to add in olive oil just to cover the leaf. You can use almond oil, grapeseed oil, or any oil of your choice. Okay, so I think this is enough. Okay, so I'm just going to close this. Okay, 
so you are going to make sure you shake the bottle a little bit or you can just stay to incorporate everything next i'm going to place a pot of water on it and bring to a boil once the water starts to boil i'm going to just turn off the heat now i'm going to place the bottle containing the oregano into the water this process heats up the oil and allows the oregano to release its natural oil so we are going to leave it in the hot water for 10 minutes okay after 10 minutes i'm going to remove this from the hot water i'm just going to give it a little shake i'm going to place this in a shade away from sunlight okay i'm going to be shaking this alternate day to allow the oregano to infuse into the oil okay so after leaving the oil for two weeks this is what it looks like and i've been shaking this every after two two days okay so now i'm just going to give this a strain just go ahead and strain the oil i'm placing a cheesecloth over a strainer so whatever tool or material you're using to strain the oil just make sure it's sterilized so you'll be on the server side I'm just going to use my hand to squeeze this to make sure I remove every bit of oil from the material. You now have your oregano oil ready. I'm going to be transferring this into a storage jar. We have this dark greenish oil here, which is our oregano oil. I'll just go ahead and pass this through the funnel into a storage jar. Make sure the jar you are going to be storing this is sterilized first. Keep it in mind that this is an infusion and not an essential oil. Essential oil can't be used directly on the skin without a carrier oil. can try making your own oregano oil at home using these simple tips. I hope you love this video guys. Give me a thumbs up if you do. Remember to subscribe to Onyx Food Hill and also share this video. Awesome. Oregano oil has so many amazing uses. It is the number one bacterial killer like ever. So <coughs> I think we have just enough time. Actually, you know what? Let's play this one first. Up. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. I need some oregano oil. Hmm. <coughs> Very cool method to making rose water. Check this out. All right, so you separate the petals. Hold on, let me rewind this. Well, let me rewind this. Yeah, here we go. Oh, 
All right. So chemical free rose water. So how to get, how to make rose water at home is super easy. So you can get wild roses or roses you're growing in your garden, separate the petals out, put them in a big bowl, transfer them into a, a deep pot and make a hole in the center. So put any kind of heat resistant protector on the bottom, like what you'd use for canning, put a bowl in the center and then put the lid upside down ice cubes on top of the lid and cover that little hole there and steam on medium for 20 to 25 minutes. Put the heavy object to protect the steam going out. And after 20 minutes, flame goes off and inside in that, what was an empty pot in the middle is now your rose water. So how cool is that? That's super easy. You can actually do that with any flower. You can do that with Jasmine. Um, I mean, really, anything you can make, make that. So you put the flowers on the outside, you put a glass bowl in the center, put the lid upside down, ice on the top, steam it for 30, 25, 30 minutes. And all that condensation collects on that pot handle and it drips down into that center bowl. So very cool. Anyway, before we get out of here, it is that time. If I can get to, there we go. You know what time it is. Hmm. You want to get hot? It's that time. So yeah, I know Mullen will help that cough too. I got something in my throat there. That cough just went crazy for a second. And I just got new mullen seeds. I need to grow. I need to set up a grow station in my house. What, Latanya, you didn't know that method for making like rose water, jasmine water, whatever? It's so easy. It's like the easiest way you can do it. Now you don't get the essential oils that way, but like the lady in the oregano oil uh, video said, you can't put essential oils directly onto your skin without some kind of a carrier, uh, witch hazel, vodka, things like that. Um, but if you make that rose water like that, it makes it so easy. You can use it as a spray to fragrance your home or your hair or uh, really anything. So. Yeah, the government made the Department of Education so kids wouldn't learn this actual knowledge. You know, something Barbara O'Reilly said, or O'Neill, I keep calling her O'Reilly. Barbara O'Neill said, the doctors don't heal your body. Your body heals your body. You heal your own body. That's the knowledge that they've taken away from us. The most basic wisdom. Think about it. You heal yourself. You break a bone, 
the doctor might set it and put you in a cast so that it's immobile while the bone heals itself. Herbs, oils, they help with the healing. They don't heal. You heal. But they smell good. And they keep bugs away. And they do help you heal faster. Some of them kill bacteria. Fungus. All kinds of good stuff. So... The smell of roses kind of scares you, Latanya. I mean, you can also do it with jasmine or anything that you like to smell. Roses can be a little sickly sweet, though. Me, I'm addicted to Confederate jasmine. Like, I just want to eat the air when the jasmine's blooming because it just tastes like the air tastes like candy. I love the smell of jasmine. The lemongrass is great too, though. So. Anyway. I have one more video for you guys on the benefits of oregano oil from a doctor. Honestly, I think that's probably the most important one, the oregano oil. So, check this out. Welcome. There is nothing more important than getting oxygen into our lungs. That's where it gets transported into the blood so all your cells tissues, glands, and organs can stay healthy. But what's going on in the air with these bacteria and virus and pollutants and things that we're inhaling every day from our everyday toxins, from cleaning our house, and the list goes on, we can develop breathing issues that can affect the health and wealth of our bodies. And when it comes to cleaning up our lungs as well as our respiratory tract, there's nothing like oregano. Oregano has so many different healing medicinal properties. So if it's allergies, asthma, or whatever harmful organism that's attacking your body, when you're inhaling it, it's affecting your respiratory tract. As your sinuses can swell up and work its way all the way down into the trachea, as well as into the lungs. And there's nothing worse to try to breathe, and we start developing all this mucus, this heaviness in the chest, where we can't get that oxygen into our lung region. But oregano contains compounds like carvacrol and terpenes that help cleanse those lungs. It will help reduce inflammation and congestion in the lungs and helps improve airflow. And when pollen, dust, mold, chemicals, fungus, or even pathogens make its way into our body, our body starts to secrete histamine, and that histamine causes excessive swelling into our facial area behind the sinuses, into our throat, as well as our lungs. And it will counteract the histamine that your body's releasing, and it will help reduce those reactions. 
It will reduce the fluid buildup and that swelling during that allergy attack and make it a natural histamine reducing compound. And when it comes to that coughing reflex, that you just can't stop coughing, oregano can do magic for you. And it will help you get a better night's sleep so your body can continue to repair and heal. And there are several different ways you can be getting your oregano. Right here, you have organic dry leaf oregano. You could be putting this in your foods, your pastas, whatever you like. But this is still very healthy. And there's nothing like fresh organic oregano. The minerals, the vitamins, the phytonutrients, the enzymes. And you can eat this anytime. Put it in your foods, make your salads, your soups, however you like. And it's delicious. Or you can actually bake this. You can dry it. You can make it as a tea. I would recommend buy your teas. It's so much easier. Definitely use those teas. It will make a tremendous difference when it comes to your breathing and your lungs as well. And I love oil of wild oregano. This is potent oil. This, you can take one or two drops, drop it underneath your tongue. Whew, you may get a little zing if it's too strong. Put it in a glass of water, drink it down, or in another beverage. Another great thing you can do is you can take a couple drops of this and put it over a boiling pot of water or a steamer. You can put a towel over your head if you're over a boiling pot of water. Be careful you don't burn yourself. When those vapors come up with that oil of oregano, I will tell you, it will just take away those sinuses. It will flush you out. And as you breathe it in, it will get to the lungs. It will help cleanse your lungs as well. It's quite powerful. And I believe that everyone should be cleansing their lungs intermittently. Because having clean lungs means better oxygen that fulfills the cells, tissues, glands, and organs of our body. I hope you enjoyed this video. Please share it with your friends and family. And most important, make it a great day. I'm Dr. Alan Mandel. Excellent. So, oregano oil, or oregano anything, really. And it's, it grows everywhere. It's so easy to grow, seriously. North, south, whatever. Oregano. Oregano. Anyway. So I hope you guys learned a bit today. I know I did. And um, don't forget, you can grow all of your food, grow all of your own food, grow your food twice as fast and up to five times bigger with Electroculture. So electrofreedom.com, use promo code Wolfpack, save 20% promo code Wolfpack at electrofreedom.com. And then you can magnetize your water as well with a plant surge unit. You automatically get 10% off at freedomplantsurge.com. So go check that out. And then of course, what are you going to grow? Got to get your seeds, survival-essentials.com, save 40%, 40% on your seeds at survival-essentials.com with promo code DEFIANT. Mm, yeah, no kidding, Latanya. Boil water, put hot water in a bowl, and then do the towel thing. Safer? No kidding. Uh, Mick once boiled my face. Not, not even kidding. It was, he turned the water up. He turned the heat up over the water, and a big water bubble came and hit me right in the face. It was terrible. I had third degree burns on my face for like weeks. Anyway, um, so yeah, hot, hot water in a bowl. Like boil the water, put it in a different bowl. But steam. 
with oregano, oregano oil, fresh oregano, whatever. So much easier. So again, save 10% on the plant surge, magnetize your water and um, structure your water at freedomplantsurge.com. Then save 20% on electroculture at electrofreedom.com with promo code Wolfpack. And then save 40% on your seeds with promo code Defiant at survival-essentials.com. So Mick and I will be back tomorrow for True Spiracy, 2 p.m., 145 for the pre-show, 2 p.m. for the start of the regular show. We're going over like Bohemian Grove and Illuminati bloodlines and, you know, fun, deep, dark shit like that. So that'll be fun. And then I'll be back Monday morning at 8 a.m. for the good book. So come check me out there. And then, of course, the Patriot Party Podcast, 545 for the pre-show, 6 p.m. for the start of the show on Monday. So I will see y'all then. And thanks for watching. Have a great day, y'all. I, I don't want to act too high and mighty because tomorrow I may fall down on my face. Lord, thank you for sunshine. Thank you for rain. Thank you for joy. Thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful day, hey, hey. Oh, yeah, thank you for sunshine, thank you for rain, thank you for joy, thank you for pain. It's a beautiful day, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful day, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful day. Sometimes life is good, but then the trouble comes my way. Oh
Death and rains are rain. 